0: Welcome back to Show Talk Podcast, place where I talk, you talk, and we talk about shows. We are back with another episode of Motherland Fort Salem Season 2, Episode 5. And I am so, so sorry it's taken me this long to release this episode. Honestly, I think this is the latest I've ever released a Motherland Fort Salem episode. And I... I'm devastated. I'm honestly devastated because I love this show and I love releasing these episodes for you guys and talking about theories for the next episode and the next season and what happened and I've been dying, dying to sit here and give this episode to you, but it's been rough. It's been a rough week, but here I am at one o'clock in the morning to give you this episode. So I hope you guys just bear with me and get ready to hop into this episode with me because I have so much to say. I feel like this episode has been hyped up the most by the rest of the cast since the beginning of the season. And I kind of understand why. Because, from what I can see from the beginning of the season to what has happened now, episode five is kind of like a turning point for the season. It's the time where. The girls are starting to question things and, and learn the truth about more things and we're starting to change our attitude about what's what's to come and what we should do about things now and I'm I'm excited. I'm excited. I mean look at Abigail. She's ready for vengeance and that I'm excited for. Tally over here is reaching for the truth whether Alder wants her to know it or not. Rael might finally learn her own truth about her mother, and I feel like that'll change the game so much. And Acostia and Scylla have made their presence known with the Camarilla, or at least the Purists, and that's going to change the game as well. So we have a lot to talk about. We have a lot to talk about with this episode of Motherland Fort Salem, and I hope you guys are willing to listen, and I am excited to get into it with you. So let's get into it. Motherland Fort Salem, Season 2, Episode 5. Honestly, you guys, I started off this episode thinking, where was the trauma? Where was the trauma and who was getting it this episode? You know, for a fact, Abigail was getting a piece of that mess. And looking at what happened at the end of episode four, Tally was getting her own piece. Raelle, I heard we're going to talk to the dead. I was like, R.I.P. Raelle, you about to learn some uncomfortable truths this episode. And I was right. Honestly, I was right, and I don't even know who to start off with, because I feel like my heart breaks for each one of our characters this episode, and then at the same time, when it comes to, like, Anacostia and Scylla, my heart was beating and racing for what was happening on their end, so I'm, oh, I'm ready. I'm ready to talk about what happened this episode, and I want to start off, actually, with Tally. Let's start off where we left off, with Tally confronting Alder. Now, I knew, I knew this was going to be drama full, strictly because Tally over here just barging into Alder's office like they still have that connection, which they do not, which they do not. And she's over here demanding answers. Now, we know our girl, General Alder, does not play that game, especially when it concerns answers that. Alder has been hiding for maybe centuries because we don't know how long ago Nicta and that whole situation happened. So Tally actually confronting Alder about something that no one should know about, that was drama waiting to happen. And I'm, I'm actually happy that it's happened because now Alder knows that that connection still lives within Tally. but it doesn't seem like she's willing to do anything about it like that brings them together like I was I don't know what I was expecting I, I honestly don't know what I was expecting I was expecting for maybe Tally to confront Alder and for them to have like a heart to heart for Alder to have a confidant with everything that's been happening to her and for her to like release her trauma onto someone and I hate that I say I want it to be Tally because Tally has honestly been taking care of everyone since season one. I kind of think of her as like a mother hen of the unit. And I hate that I want her to be that for Alder as well. But like maybe they could lean on each other because I feel like Tally is really looking for like an older. M- figure. I don't want to say a mother figure because I know you tell their shippers, even if it is jokingly. I don't want to say that and trigger all of you. But she is looking for an older figure that is a woman to just lean on I think, especially after everything that's happened with her mother. And I feel like her looking towards Alder and that connection that they had is kind of a trauma response from what happened between her and her mother. And so... I wanted them to have that moment. I wanted her to realize that the connection was still there between the two of them. And maybe they could just create something different. And I don't know, maybe it's still new. Maybe maybe there's a chance of that happening now that Alder knows and, and that moment is there and they can have a chance, especially because Jessica did mention that, that scene in the promo that we saw from like the overall of the entire season, that scene where Alder just brushes Tally's hair back, which is beautiful. I'm so excited to see that. Um, Mentioned that that was episode eight. So we have three, two, three and a half episodes before we get to see that. And maybe that means that their relationship does change. Maybe they do end up relying on each other more. But at the moment, it looks like Alders kind of just trying to squash that relationship, even if it is just through dreams and flashbacks that Tally's getting. She's recruited Isadora to give Tally possible potions that will break that connection. Which honestly, I don't think it's gonna work. I don't think it's gonna work. I think that Tally is gonna continue having those visions until something happens. Which ooh, it might. Mm. You know what I was thinking? Cause. Random, but you know how in the promo for next episode, Alder goes to look at the source that's been taking out witches that the Camarilla have been using. And we find out that it's kind of a living organism, which I'm going to be calling Venom because somebody said, imagine if that living organism that's been taking out the spree and the witches are actually a living organism like Venom. So I'm going to be calling it Venom because I love Venom. It's my favorite Marvel movie. Don't judge me. Anyway, that moment where we see Alder being taken down by Venom, I wonder if Tally will feel that connection because of what they have together. And I wonder if that might snap the connection between the two of them or make it even tighter because they both are connected in some way and maybe they'll need Tally to bring Alder out of whatever problems that she's going to face now that she's been attacked by what's been killing so many witches. So I'm I'm ready. I'm ready to see that and I hope that their connection will grow stronger. But now that this tension has risen with the fact that Alder knows about what Tally knows in the form of what happened to Nicta and what happened to the martyrs that apparently have killed themselves because of something that maybe Alder did or something that Nicta did under Alder's leadership? It's just, it's, it's a rough going. It's a rough going, and we knew that Tally, she's someone that after season one, after that betrayal, she felt like she got from Alder with the death of those civilians, she's someone that at this point is not going to stop looking for answers and that kind of goes with her lineage as a seer and as a knower. She kind of has to keep knowing and and keep seeing the bigger picture of everything and now that Alder is kind of trying to hide that past that Tally can see, she's going to want to go harder in finding out the truth and we see that she does that in the Night of the Dead, where she goes and she uses her time, her five minutes or her her candle um, lighting to call upon the librarian, Ektabar, who was there, one of the martyrs, is the only one that's willing to give her the truth. And we find that You know, maybe Alder has been lying. And if something was used for them to kill themselves, then what was Alder's part in that? And I found it interesting that what was used was a disc that could possibly create a noise or a sound that triggered the rest of the group, even though they had surrendered and weren't planning on killing themselves. It had caused them to do that. And it kind of... I use so many Harry Potter terms with this show. Unfortunately, I mean J.K. Rowling aside, but I do use a lot of Harry Potter because of its witches. And so I kept thinking, like I was like, what if this disc imperious to them, or or maybe Alder imperious Nicta to use her disc to trigger this for the rest of those who had surrendered and. If that was the case, what does that mean? Because I was thinking, since it was a physical item that was used, that possibly contained a seed, we know that it came from Nycta. Because Nycta, from what we've seen, has used physical items to launch her attacks against the Cam- Camaria and against the foes while she was working with Alder. Now, there's a possibility that she didn't know that the surrender had happened and she had thrown the disc under Alder's orders and that had caused them to kill themselves and it wasn't until she found out that they were surrendering that she felt that guilt and turned on Alder for the order that she'd been given. That's possibility number one. And then there's that possibility that Alder had taken the disc from Nikta like behind her back and had thrown the disc herself that had caused them to kill themselves and then Nicta found out and realized that they had surrendered and understood what Alder had done, and that's the guilt that she faced. So that's the second possibility, and this is why another reason. Now that we're seeing this truth in full force, this is why I believe that Nicta could possibly be le- leading the Camarilla, and I'm going to go into this a little bit more. But I'm I'm telling you now, I don't believe that. The leader that Scylla and Anacostia had found is the actual leader of the Camarilla. I think he's just a scapegoat for right now. And I think you guys should too because I feel like that moment where they caught him was too easy. But I'll go into that a little bit more when we talk about what happened on Scylla and Anacostia's scene. But now that thinking that Shane or the leader quote unquote, is not the actual leader of the Camarilla, we can still think of other options. And the only reason why I think it's Nycta, or maybe just an ancestor or not an ancestor, but a somebody through Nycta's line that could be leading the purist and the Camarilla is because of that physical disc that she used and because of the physical mechanisms that the Camarilla have been using so far after they've taken the vocal cords of the bellwethers. And we don't know if there's other seeds that they've taken to trigger the other items that they've used against the spree so far and against the other witches to silence their work and everything like that. So it might not just be bellwether vocals it might be vocals from other witches or it could be something that they've manufactured themselves and if they're using Nikta's ideas and her inventions to create these these weapons against the witches and against the spree she's the only one I would think to use that knowledge and to pass that on to someone who could get to Alder the closest. Do you know what I mean? Like, she still has that grudge against Alder and what she stands for. And she probably doesn't like what the Spree have been doing either and probably doesn't like witches in general. And so it would make sense to why she was going after Alder as well as the Spree. And so if it's her or someone from her family line, it'll be, it'll be interesting. And I think... Also, knowing that Alder had used her own fire today in this episode for finding out who she was going to talk to in the dead, if it was Nicta and Nicta didn't show up, just like what happened to Rail, maybe she's still alive, and if it was Nicta then what did they talk about? Because that's something I really want to know because we did see Alder light her own fire in the time that the girls were lighting their own fire to fight off the regiment so they could have that time to talk to the dead. And we don't know who Alder talked to. We know who Rael talked to or or didn't talk to and we know who Abigail talked to which was Charvel and we know who Tally talked to which was the martyr but we don't know who Alder talked to and the only reason I think that Alder may have called upon Nicta is because from the last couple of episodes from Tally's flashbacks and from seeing moments of Alder and her thinking By herself, and when she's finally alone and letting down her shields, I feel like she's facing a lot of guilt. And, like we talked about in the last couple of episodes, that when Tally is triggered for a vision, it seems to be in a time where Alder has been faced with a lot of things from her past in some way, either through watching Rael or through watching the outcomes of her decisions. And so, I think all of that piled on with the confrontation that she faced with Tally may have led her to call upon Nikta. And I hope we do go into that a little bit more. If we go back and do a flashback on who she talked to and what was said, it will be good to see. And I feel like that'll change the game and... What that means and how she'll go about talking to Tally. Will she let Tally know? Will she tell her what Tally said? Will Tally go back to Alder and let her know what she knows? I mean, it's not like Alder can go and hide any more of what is the truth from Tally after this because she's gotten the information from the source. But if she does confront Alder again, Will Alder find another way to kind of brush Tally aside, or will that connection keep them in some kind of togetherness that Alder generally doesn't have other than with her biddies? It's going to be, it's going to be something that we're going to have to wait and see, honestly, but I'm ready for it. I'm excited for it. And I hope you guys are as well. But you know, out of everyone who had a chance to meet someone from the dead, this Samhain, I knew. I knew for a fact, deep in my soul, that Abigail's meeting was going to be the worst of it. It was going to be the worst of it. It was going to get me so emotional that I wasn't going to be prepared for. And honestly, if you saw any of my live tweets from Tuesday night, it was basically a constant stream of, I hope she doesn't see Charvel. And if she does see Charvel, I'm going to cry. And if I cry, I know I'm just going to have a long list of Abigail trauma to deal with and just going to continue crying for the rest of the episode. And I was right. I was right. Because we did see Charvel and we did have to see Abigail really face a lot of the guilt that she's been facing this season having to feel like she's failed Charvel for her death and and having to own up to that in her own way and and being scared of what Charvel would say and then uh, it just it hurt, hurt, man. Abigail has gone through so much this season and last season. And I feel like Charvel's death was really the tipping point for her compared to last season. And now it's like, once Charvel died, she lost the only member of the Bellwether family that really understood her, that was close enough in age, that understood that although all this pressure was on there to be the best bellwether and be the strongest and to marry and continue the line. That Charles still married for love and she still went against the normal for what a bellwether was meant to be. And Abigail felt like she could lean on her and Charvel's death kind of just, she lost that comfort and then she also gained a target on her back from the Camarilla and from the spree and it was like, well, what does she have now? She can't even trust her instincts to keep herself alive. Seeing as how the last time she let the Camarilla get underneath her skin and lead her as bait to her death and, and now she feels like she had a chance to save Charvel and she couldn't and having Charvel's ghost now in front of her it's like she has to confront all of that the guilt she feels for not being able to protect Charvel and understanding now that she is the last line of Bellwethers and she did mention that as well earlier on in the episode and how if she could choose anyone to speak from in her family line, she has a long list because she is the last and because the Camarilla have been gunning for her and her family these last couple of episodes and forever, who knows how long. And uh, it made me really think about why the Imperatrix was gunning for her so much and, and why it's so important for her to marry and have kids and why it should be with someone of preferred lineage and and family it's because Charvel now that she's gone and knowing that the bellwethers have a target on their backs she is the only one to continue on that family lineage and that power and the amount of pressure that she should be under from not only her mother but the rest of her probable ancestors is just it's probably such a, a rough thing to take on the mind and understanding that even though she wants to be made to be known for her name, she is the last hope for all of them, for them to continue on their name. And what she does and and how she chooses to live her life and the things that she decides to do, whether it's working on her seed or marrying a dill, that does have consequences for her family and future generations. And That's that's a lot to take in and she's just been going through it. And you see that more and more, the toll that it's taking on her. We see her tap out on a practice fight and we've seen her go through so many flashbacks of the things that she's had to face and having to face Adil possibly being dead. The only other living comfort that she's had dead and gone and another thing and she feels like it's never going to end and maybe at the end of the day she's kind of understanding that there's nothing she can do. She has so many things going against her that maybe the only thing she can do is fall back in line as a proper bellwether. Maybe she thinks that her not being the proper bellwether or doing what she's been told is the reason why all these events have happened. I mean if I was her that were- be some of the same things that I would be thinking about. It's just, it's so crazy everything that Abigail has had to face this season and having to now face Charvel on top of it. It's, I'm honestly exhausted. I miss our smiling Abigail. (laughs) I really do. And I know some of you guys in the fandom and, and some of my mutuals have been like, I'm so tired of the black pain that Abigail has had to face this season. And I completely understand. I completely understand. I'm honestly exhausted from it. I just want her to be happy again. I want her to be flirting around with all the boys. And I don't know. I'm waiting to see her smile a lot more. And I feel like we saw a little bit of that towards the end of this episode once she understood what Charvel wanted from her. And I think that scene was really powerful because Charvel basically explained to her that everything that she's been feeling and all these failures that she thinks she's had is all just insecurities and mental games that she's been playing with herself. And the fact that Charvel in this speech that she gives Abigail explains to her that even from the grave she is more than just a bellwether. Kind of just cemented what Abigail knew deep in her heart that this wasn't the path for her. What she was meant to do was to break boundaries, was to fight back and and stop letting the army be her shield. Stop letting her name be her shield, but truly just be Abigail and fight for that vengeance to get back at the Kimaria for what they've done for her and really tap into her to her true potential. And in that moment where she was talking to Tally after Sawin and explaining what she had to do and having that moment with Adil where she finally found an ally who understood her and could relate seeing as Adil's life was also at stake once again with Kalita from the Camarilla and he felt weak and he was tired of feeling weak and Abigail felt weak and she was tired of feeling weak and it was like Charvel gave her that forgiveness to be able to forgive herself just create a different I don't know I feel like she leveled up she leveled up from this trauma and the constant hits that she's been facing. And I am so excited. I'm so excited. And it also has me ready for this Abigail and Adil team up. I know I've been saying this since season one, but I'm telling you, Abigail and Adil. It's going to be a force to be reckoned with, a force to be reckoned with, especially when I know for a fact that Adil is probably going to show Abigail some of his seed work. There's no way he's not going to, especially because he understands now what's at stake and what has to be done. And we know Abigail is the type of person who won't back down and will do whatever it takes to be able to reach a higher potential. And she'll see that Adil is what is meant or needs to be used used as a strong word, is what she'll need to be able to tap into that. And so, who knows? Maybe we'll see an evolution of her weather work or or maybe we'll see new work in general that we haven't seen from her or her family line. Something that will make her better in the history books other than her great-grandmother, Gemma. It's gonna be great. It's gonna be great. I am ready to see that. And... I don't know, maybe this will be a new chapter for Abigail. Maybe we'll see her smile more. Maybe the fact that Adil is alive and they've basically pushed everything underneath the rug will kind of just initiate that sexual, just feisty, fiery girl that we've met in season one and bring her back and just make her stronger and better and ready to fight for that that vengeance against the, the Camarilla. You know, because I'm just, I'm ready. I'm ready to get her back because it's been rough. It's been rough. I mean, seeing her face, just hearing that Adil might be gone, broke me. Honestly, if Adil didn't come back, I would have been protesting. I'm a strong, bill shipper and you can't take that ship away from me. Unacceptable. And so now just seeing them back together... And the power that they're going to have. I'm excited. How many times am I going to say I'm excited? Clearly, if you are over the age of 21, take a shot every time I say I'm excited. Because you will probably be intoxicated by the end of it. (laughs) While we're at it, though, you might as well toss a shot towards Raelle. Because she is going through it. As she always has. And of course, it centers around her mother. Which... When does it not? If it's not her mother, it's Scylla. And if it's not Scylla these days, it's the mushrooms. So we have a pick of the three. And I think we caught a little bit of both, mostly with Scylla and her mother. Because Rael this episode has finally confronted Anacostia about what she saw last episode, which was Scylla and what that means. And the fact that Anacostia actually told Raelle that, the truth, well, not the full truth, but a majority of the truth got me really excited and super happy because Raelle has finally created that connection between herself and Fort Salem. She's finally started to lean on Fort Salem, find her place in Fort Salem, and just really come into herself and the powers that she's learned to harvest and I feel like if Anacostia had lied to her, then it would have created a strong rift between what she's built so far. Especially because Anacostia is kind of like a, mm, she kind of is. Because we know how we say on Twitter that Anacostia is like the mother hen to Scylla, Rael, and Abigail. So if Anacostia were to lie to Raelle in this moment when Raelle knows deep in her soul that she saw Scylla and she has her photo evidence and she would recognize Scylla's eyes anywhere, then that would be like her mother or this strong maternal figure or leader that she's put all of her trust into just break. You know, it, it would break and she wouldn't be able to trust Anacostia and she wouldn't be able to trust this system that she's finally put her her heart in and her work in. And so the fact that Anacostia told her the truth made me really happy because that shows that Anacostia puts her girls first for one. Two, it also shows that Anacostia is choosing her own path when it comes to what she wants her from herself with the army as well as what she wants from herself in general and then it also shows that Rayel can trust Anacostia and can go to Anacostia if anything were to happen especially since she is questioning Aldir once again and so what are we supposed to do with this information now though because if Scylla is alive then what has the army set up for Scylla and what does that mean I mean we know personally but rail doesn't and so we don't know what the plan is and what Rail's going to do in order to see Scylla again if she wants to see Scylla again get the truth about things maybe she's questioning that last meeting that she had with Scylla who knows and also where did Scylla get that picture from because that's when Rail was a child and there's no way that Scylla would be able to have that picture unless she got it from maybe dad but would still be able to risk going to her dad in order to get a picture again who knows and so that's just more questions that I feel like Raelle is having and to feel so unstable and having to question everything I feel like this saw when she really just wanted her mother in order to feel that that solidness and that connection and answer some of those questions that she had and Make her own decisions from there because we know that in season one, Rael was kind of looking for herself and she kind of centered that around her mother. First, it was her mother's death and the hatred towards the Bellwether family for that, but then it was her questioning of Fort Salem because of what happened to her mother and what her mother would want from her, not knowing that. And so now that Raelle has put all of her faith in this, I feel like she's wondering if she did get to talk to her mother in person, if her mother would be happy at the fact that she's putting all of her work and, and passion into a system that has failed her mother or if she would be proud of the woman that she's becoming. They knew we knew she wasn't going to get those answers. Why? Because where is Willa with the spree? Alive and well and kicking and being chum with her ex-girlfriend. It's a whole hot mess. It's a whole hot mess. And it's going to come to a point where Rayelle's going to start questioning what that means. And she might figure that out in the next couple coming episodes when she starts wondering why her mother didn't come and if her mother didn't come because she was alive if the only reason that Scylla was able to get that picture was from her mother and what she's going to do with that thought and that idea and with that truth and if it does all come out oh you know what you know that scene too in the previews that we saw, where it looks like Rael is snooping around because she, she caught something. It looks like, what if she follows Scylla? And what if she follows Scylla and she sees her mother? That's going to be, like, she would have to be so relieved and yet so betrayed at the same time. And I feel like everything will then fall into place. All of her questions will then have answers. And it's going to have to change everything in how she goes about going back to Fort Salem whether she wants to stay with her mother how she feels about her father if her father knows cuz i know everyone's been questioning that if her father did know if willow was alive and if he's kept that from Rael and that would be the biggest betrayal ever and it's a whole thing. It's a whole honest to God thing, and it makes me happy that in this time she does have the unit to lean on. It looks like her and Tally do get to come together a little bit on break. So if anything were to happen, she can lean on Tally and Abigail. I just hope that what they're each going through individually will not have Rael feeling like she is alone and that she can't turn to them. Because at this point, there's no way she will feel like she can turn towards her mother. And I feel like this is also going to cause an even bigger rift between her and Scylla with the fact that she would know and how long she's known and the fact that she hasn't told Rael or hasn't tried to tell Rael, especially since she's been out of prison for so long. So that's definitely something that we're going to have to prepare ourselves for. I know we're also waiting for Scylla and Rael to get back together if they do get back together. But I feel like it's still a long time coming, especially with all these truths that are coming out and how Rael's going to react to them that I don't think they'll be able to brush everything under the rug right now when it comes to her mother and how sensitive Raelle is to her mother because her mother's death really just changed her entire life and changed who she is as a person and really had a huge impact on a lot of the decisions that she's made and has continued to make and so this betrayal again, could just change everything. I don't know. What do you guys think? If you were in Rael's position, would you forgive her mother? Would you forgive Scylla? I mean, if you had a chance to meet someone, once again, someone that you've loved, that you thought was dead, that you would never see again, and you found out that they were alive, does your happiness and relief at the fact that they're alive just overshadow everything that they've done does the idea of Scylla working to be a better person and the fact that Scylla has changed with the love that she has for Rael? does that overshadow everything that she's done does that cover up the lies that the betrayal that she's done you know it's it's a lot to think about um but I do see things a little bit differently just because everything that still has gone through this episode and us being able to see both sides, you know, have me looking at things a little bit differently. But just thinking on Raelle's perspective, I don't know how I would personally feel. I don't, I don't think I would be able to forgive either of them because that's such a deep pain. And once you've broken your trust like that... I mean, for me, I don't think I could ever look at someone the same and and not think that they wouldn't hurt me the same way again, because this is the second time that Scylla well, third time that Scylla will have hurt Rael first when it came out that she was spying on Rael for the spree and that's why they got together to begin with. And then the fact that Rael was free from the army and still didn't try to contact her or get with her and now the fact that she's been working with her mother and still nothing. Now we also have her mother who's lied about being dead. I mean, can you... Can you go back from that? Is that not enough? And then what if she lies about being spree? Or if she does tell her that she's spree, what does that mean for the both of them? You know, because they're on opposite sides of everything. So it's a lot. It's a lot to think of. And I'm really thinking about Scylla this episode and how I feel about her and the relationship that her and Rael have, especially after everything that Scylla has done. Because I feel like she's kind of, done a 360 for me in my mind just when that scene where the spree and scylla and everything that organization in general is kind of at its end cuz half of the spree want to continue fighting the humans and creating their own rights and then the other half just want to fight the Camarilla so that they can live another day and keep that fighting and yet that division is there and now Scylla is being called weak um, because of the decisions that she's made and she's been called weak before because of the love that she's showed for Rael and and so now Scylla has to make her own decisions And the fact that she's also had this partnership with Anacostia has had her personally have seen her change a lot more with how she thinks about things and how she goes about things. And she looks out for Anacostia and you see this bond blooming between the two of them. So she may be weak in the eyes of some parts of the spree, but she's also grown in strength and the trust and love that she's used to get her to where she is right now and I really like that because it makes me think that if her and Raelle were to get back together that like I said last episode that she would fight for her and and she would understand that that loss and the importance of Raelle in her life and what that's done and how that's changed her. I don't know especially this this moment in the season where we see Scylla kind of show her face to the Camarilla or to the purists and all to protect one girl, to protect Tiffany. Man, Tiffany has had it rough. (laughs) Tiffany has... (laughs) We went from can't have any playdates to Tiffany to stoning Tiffany in a masquerade ball that nobody asked for. Nobody asked for. What kind of... I don't know. I felt so upset with the fact that Anacostia and Scylla have went through all of this trying to find the leader of the the Camarilla or finding the leader of the purists just to find out that they are all cowards. They are all cowards to the point that they would cover their faces and stone a child to possibly death. Stone a child who is a witch or has the vocal cords or the beginning vocal cords of being a witch and do it anonymously, but say it all in the, in the support of protecting their daughters. Screaming. I'm screaming. You're telling me that as you're covering your face and going about your day, that you are protecting your daughters by stoning a seven-year-old trash trash and the fact that this is what Anacostia and Scylla have come into just you know blows my mind it does it really does and this is why I feel like the Camarilla and the purist are different because I don't think the Camarilla would do something so new age and yet juvenile at the same time I feel like they're more direct in their methods I do think that they are the link to the Camarilla or they have a link to the Camarilla because there's no way that the Camarilla are not using them as just like decoys and and scapegoats. Speaking of scapegoats, I don't think that Shane is the leader of this purist organization or the Camarion because it was too easy. Especially because when we first meet Shane or this undercover cop or whatever he was, he was kind of taking orders, I feel like, from the other guy. And if that wasn't the case and he was the leader, then like, how did he just let himself be taken over by Scylla by herself? No protection whatsoever, no bodyguards, nothing. He, He really thought he was untouchable enough For him to just have a complete organization and a complete murder of a child with hundreds of people and not have somebody spying on him or or undercover at all. It don't make sense. It, It really doesn't make sense. And that's why I don't think he is the real the real leader he wishes he was the real leader but there's no way there's no way but now Scylla has his face and we don't know what that means or what she's going to do with it and honestly does it even work at this point because everyone at the organization has seen Scylla and has seen her I don't know is he dead we don't know if he's dead or if he was just knocked out correct so if he's dead and Scylla took over his face as a spray should. Does that mean that she'll have access to the places that he's been? But at the same time, if he was dead and everyone saw Scylla do what she did, everyone would know that not to let her go into these places even with his disguise and if he was alive they could use him to get information but at the same time they wouldn't be able to use his body because he would be missing and everyone else would know he was missing i don't know how they're gonna play that out i don't know how they're gonna play that out i don't know how they're gonna write it but I'm sure they have something to fix that because I'm just confused as to how that would work. Wouldn't they know he was missing or wouldn't they know he was dead and then her access to having his face wouldn't really do anything or maybe they'll just use him for information. I was having a debate with a friend earlier and I was wondering if I don't know if we clarified this last season, but is it when you take over someone's face as a spree, do you get like their DNA and their memories and everything like that so you could probably understand their mannerisms and and things? Or was that not correct? Because if it is, then like, I understand why she would get his face because then she has the memories of everything that he knows and then she could get deeper into the organization and learn how to dismantle it. But if that's wrong, then it just, it makes no sense as to why she would need his face. And also, how did she get, okay, so (laughs) how did she get Justine's face? When? When would that have been able to happen? Because after all of this after Scylla is able to save this little girl and Anacostia is able to save this little girl after her little showdown up in the, in the stands, which was amazing, by the way. Anacostia was my MVP of this episode because one, she looked amazing and two, she kicked ass effortlessly that I loved to see. And I hope we see a little bit more of that as well. But, um, They did that so brilliantly, and they were able to save the little girl, which is great, and they were able to escape with all limbs attached. Luckily, we see that Scylla uses Justine's face in order to kill the other semi-leader of the purist group, which was Justine's husband that I don't know his name of right now. Don't judge me. I'm sorry. (laughs) But they were able to kill him. Oscar? Anyway, they were able to kill him. And I feel like that was just revenge for Scylla's sake. Like, I don't think they needed to kill him, but it was more, might as well get everyone out of the organization while we can. And she was able to use Justine as a, as a, a distraction or as a a body, but how would she have been able to get Justine's face? Because wasn't Shane or the cop or whoever he was dead before she got her face, or do you not have to be dead in order to get the face? Uh, Questions. I have so many questions. I feel like every episode I have questions. I just need someone to break down what it means to be spree for me and I've had this discussion multiple times with friends about what it means to be spree and what the spree can actually do and what's the difference between spree and the witches and what does the lighter actually do and what can they attain with the lighter and Sometimes I feel like those questions were answered and sometimes I don't feel like they were and I don't know maybe I need to refresh myself with what happened in season one and that'll give me more clues but right now I still have questions and I bet some of you guys do too so I don't feel alone in that but yeah that is a lot a lot that has happened with Scylla and Anacostia. Anacostia had a showdown that she won and I wonder if they're going to use him to take his face too because his face would work because Anacostia was able to beat him without anyone seeing and he still looks like he has a huge play in the organization compared to Shane. But who knows? And now Scylla is able to get this new guy's face and now we also have a little baby spree or a little baby witch depending on how that goes and maybe we'll see more of her more of tiffany and maybe we'll see her work on her power and it could be the start of a new generation of motherland for salem who knows but that'll be cool to see and And yeah, I don't know. I feel like a lot happened this episode. I feel like a lot happened this episode. We are almost at an hour of talking, which if you've gotten this far, congratulations, because I didn't think I was going to talk this much. (laughs) But clearly I had a lot to say, but it's just, it's been so good. And I'm so excited for the transition from this episode to the rest of the season because we're halfway now. We're halfway now and I feel like We felt that shift. I kind of feel like our girls went a little bit unhinged this episode. And that means that how they go about doing things, the methods that they go about doing things the desperation that they'll have for the truth and, and for everything is going to be so much stronger and a little bit darker too. I feel like this season has taken such a darker tone compared to last season and I feel like it's slowly increasing the shade color. So who knows what we'll end up dealing with by the episode 10. Who knows? Um, But I'm at the edge of my seat for it, clearly. But that is pretty much what I have for you for this episode. And of course, we'll have honorable mentions in just a moment where we go over things that I want to talk about that wasn't able to fit into this episode completely, but I still want to talk about it and I hope you guys want to listen to it. So let's get into that. Honorable mentions of Motherland Fort Salem, episode five, season two. Honorable mentions! I am excited to talk about the possibility of Gregorio and Tally. Now, I know, I know in After the Storm, in other interviews, we said that Tally wasn't gonna have a real romance this season. And yes, sure, that doesn't look like it's happening so far, although I am Team Talder and I believe that their connection and their bond is deeper than any relationship can be but I saw that look I saw that look between gregario and tally and I know y'all saw it and tally is screaming bisexual energy this season and I love every second of it and did you see gregario jump in front of that arrow for the girl That is what we need. That is what we need. I just had my friend start watching season one of Muzzle in Fort Salem, and she was telling me about how much she hates Garrett and what Garrett has made her do to hate Tally. And yes, I completely agree, and I'm so happy that other people are understanding my frustration with Tally and Garrett, and I would actually be okay with Tally and Gregario if that happens because for- multiple episodes now this season, we've seen that he has such a great support for her. And he kind of just balances her out in a way that we haven't seen other than with Alder. And I think that that'll be a good relationship for her. And I want to see it. I want to see it. I'm not gonna lie. Especially because now that Abigail has Adil, I don't think that Abigail will be mad to see Tally with Gregorio For anything, it might be the best outcome for all of them because then the Imperatrix can't force them together. You know, because they're already betrothed to different people. But like I said, we know there's not gonna be have any real romance this season, at least, from what we've been told, from Tally. So We'll just watch. We'll just watch as the bisexual energy just screams out of Tally this season and see if she can get both. See if she can have it all by season three. For all we know, that'll chances. <laughs> Although I do see you guys talking about that poly ship between Adil, Gregario, and Abigail. And if you guys didn't know, I am a sucker for a good polyship, but for some reason, I don't see all three of them together. And I think that's only because I know the struggle that Abigail faces. I don't think she would want to be with Gregorio because they were destined to be together, or they've had a history of having to be together because of who they are, that I don't think she would like him in that respect. Um, but I do see that, that bromance between Adil and Gregario and I love it and I think it's cute. But for some reason, I just can't see all three of them being together. So I'm not on that Abigail, Adil, Gregario, Polly ship. But if you guys have any other Polly ships that you like that I haven't noticed in the show, I'd love to hear it. And no, I, I'll say this now, I don't consider Tally rail and Abigail to be a good poly ship either. It's just, it's, it clashes weirdly to me. I don't know. Maybe you guys can change my mind on both of them. Um, but I don't see that. And also what I wanted to talk about in the afterthoughts of this podcast is Scylla killing this man. She literally used a unicorn pencil and stabbed him right in the brain and honest to goodness, I did not care. I literally clapped. I was perfectly fine with Scylla causing murder on screen. What does that say? And clearly I wasn't alone because I saw those tweets. Everyone was clapping. Everyone was over this man. And yes, we all felt bad for Justine just a little bit, but at the same time, Go Scylla. He was about to stone a child. I literally care for him zero much. Especially the way he was treating Justine. The man had to go. The man had to go. I was over it. But I loved it. It was such a powerful scene. And such a powerful moment. And I think this might be the first time. Actually. I think actually every time we've seen someone really die on this show. It's either been by the hands of Scylla. Or been by the hands of the Camarilla or the Spree. What does that say? I don't know. But I also feel that like Scylla really took this extra edge this episode about showing herself off to the purist and telling them that she was Spree and killing this this man all because of that moment that she had in the beginning of the episode where the other Spree member called her weak. I feel like this was just her taking a stand and kind of like proving a point that she wasn't weak and she was up to par and and she had to do and she could do what she had to do um, without having to prove herself. You know, she did it on her own and it wasn't something that Willa wanted her to do and it it wasn't something that Anacostia wanted her to do. She kind of saved Tiffany on her own with those decisions that she made and killed this man on her own with those decisions that she made because there's no way Anacostia agreed to that. But, um, yeah, I feel like she was triggered from him saying that because that's not who Scylla is. And so that's something to, to consider. And it also has you thinking, like, has Rael fully changed her? And is she truly reformed if this is what she considers the best option for things uh, or a means to an end at the end of the day. If she can still do this, does that mean she's really changed or not? And if she's not changed and Raelle finds out about it, do they still have a chance? It's a whole thing. It's a whole thing. Um, But it was just food for thought for you guys and, and things that I noticed in this episode that I thought was interesting. Also, I really loved the effects for... Um, the regimen and and the horseback, I thought that was great. I loved it so much. And I really, really like the fact that we're stepping up into the supernatural aspect of this show when it comes to things like that, like ghosts. And I hope we tap into a more supernatural thing where we can see maybe other members of the, like, I don't know. Can we see a werewolf? I don't know, can we see mermaids or something? I just, I want more. I want more and with more seasons we can get more potential magical creatures and supernatural creatures that we didn't think could fit into this storyline but do. I mean, we have a mushroom wall. We could do anything at this point. (laughs) But yeah, I'm excited. I'm excited to see this and what that means. What else? I feel like I had something else to mention Oh, yes. Did you guys see the trailers for Tuesday? It looks like it's going to be a doozy, especially if Alder gets taken over by Venom. I don't know what that means. I hope she doesn't die. If anything happens, we're fighting. I am not ready for that. But who knows? Like I said earlier in this episode, maybe Tally's connection will be able to save her. Maybe we'll find out that this organism isn't able to get to Alder. And also, how were they able to control that? Or how are they able to put it in a box and when was it a living organism? And if it's a living organism, is it only attracted to what's in witches? Like is it is it locating them by some way? You know, like there has to be a reason that on the train, this organism or venom, attacked General Sharma first and the witch that was next to her and then kind of went after Adil or Kalita? Or am I reaching? Am I reaching? Like, do the witches have something different that has this organism wanting to get them absorbing their power, maybe? Who knows? Who knows? But that is for me to find out in later episodes obviously. But it kind of also reminded me of the mushrooms at the same time. Like, does that make sense? Like, it had like a same power feel. Hmm. I don't know. But speaking of the mushrooms, did you guys notice that Rael's really tapping into her powers this episode when it comes to using the mushrooms? She used it pretty well and pretty strong when she was fighting off that Ghost Regime member. And I thought that that was really interesting, the fact that she could just whip it out like that compared to not even two episodes ago when she didn't even know if she could get control of these powers. But to see that growth already is amazing. I'm very excited for it. Again, excited. (laughs) What can I say? Um, But yeah, I think the lastly, one thing I did want to mention before we part ways is that I named this episode Cinderella and I wanted to let you guys know a little bit more about why I named it that way. I mean, I guess for the most obvious reasons is that Cinderella only had till midnight and she lost all of her powers then and and everything that she had in order to change her life and that transition that she had from being just this poor girl who was basically a maid to her family into becoming this new princess. And so I wanted to name it this because it kind of was similar. It's our girls were facing all of these struggles and now at the coming of midnight, they've had a change that has changed. It's done so much for them, mostly for the better and will... Change their life, honestly, just like Cinderella. And if you guys haven't looked it up, midnight has so many significances. Um, just some of them here, I'll read off really quickly. Um, one one symbolism of midnight is that noon represents the ascendance of masculine principle, and midnight represents the zenith of the feminine principle which I thought was interesting. Um, It's also the height of unconscious powers over the conscious powers of the world because it's the hour where most people are asleep and deep within their dreams. And some other things that I saw was that midnight refers to the intense spiritual energy of the day and that it's also when the spiritual realm is more active at the time, which is probably why they had a better chance of talking to the ghost at that time compared to like what we know of as 3am where we see a lot of like mystical activity that happens throughout the night. I don't know. I don't know. It's just things that I thought were interesting that I just wanted to share with you all. And I don't know. I hope you guys liked this episode. If you got to this far, we are way over our normal times for a Motherland Fort Salem episode. I hope this makes up for the fact that this episode was so late. Again, I apologize for that. But I'm excited. I'm excited to see how this season is going to go. I'm excited to hear your guys' thoughts. And I loved having these little discussions with you guys on Twitter, which I hope you are able to join in again. If you guys want to talk to me on there, you can always follow me at Podcast. Or if you want to send me an email, you can send me an email at showtalkpodcast at gmail.com. If you guys want to see other shows that I'm podcasting, you can always check out my website, showtalk.blog, all the things, obviously. But I can't wait to talk to you guys about the next episode and I hope you get to listen and if you've come this far thank you so much and share it with your friends and keep on talking. Keep on talking about this show. Keep on talking about shows that are passionate to you and make you happy and just create a brighter day in the hellish couple of years that we've had but at the end of the day just keep on talking. I will see you next time.